We need more people to just shut the fuck up these days, you know? Honestly, let, let's be honest. It's <laughs> just an anti-podcast where we just shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just nothing. We for... just play, like, brown noise for fucking 45 minutes. Have you heard brown noise? No I lie. I, I've heard white noise and all that other nonsense, you know what I mean? And then I heard a TikTok with the brown noise, and I actually had, like, a, a, like a physical response. I was like, oh, what the hell? It was, like, ASMR... It like itches like, your brain. I like pink it. noise the best. But Say that's because I'm a girl. I said I like pink noise the best, but that's because I'm a girl. <laughs> God, so freaking predictable. Um, speaking about a uh, world without girls, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> um, I was gonna, you know, start with a blurb that I wrote. Yeah, do the blurb. Oh, yeah. This do the blurb. Is a do podcast. The blurb. And I was thinking, you know, maybe we change it up every time. But yeah. um, but this is what I've got for today. <clears throat> Good evening, ghouls. I'm Becca. And then Robert, you would say, I'm Robert. And then Alec would say, I'm Alec. Okay, and do, do um, Okay, okay. Uh, Good evening, ghouls. I'm Becca. I'm Robert. I'm Robert. No, fuck. <laughs> I and didn't mean we to do are... that. <laughs> are you sure? I didn't mean to do that. Are we going one more time or do you want me do to just one more time. One more time. <laughs> one more time. Okay. Can Ready? I mess it up this time or do I have to do it correctly? No. Do it correctly. <laughs> Good evening, ghouls. I'm Becca. I'm Robert. And I'm Alec. And we are the Undead Poet Society, the podcast where three cryptids consume media and excrete the meaning <laughs> of it all. <laughs> Today we <laughs> I take objection watched... to some of that, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll be discussing the un- the Dead Poet Society, the namesake of our podcast, um, a film that only I had seen prior to viewing last night. I um, have not um, seen it. My friend Jaden, or my friend, he's he's not your guys's friend at all. No, nope, only my is. friend Jaden. Um, watched this movie a long time ago and has been wanting me to watch it and i haven't told him that i watched it yet that's really depressing you should tell him because <laughs> i'm just gonna send him this episode of the podcast uh, <laughs> there you go it could be fun sure sorry Jaden. i jace lazy himself so let's psychoanalyze Jaden by his commitment to this profoundly mid movie shall we <laughs> mid oh get off it's a pretty good movie. It's I think we good. can say that, right? I think th- I think there's movie. a reason it it occupies a space in the social consciousness. I agree, absolutely. But um, why is that? Do we want to talk about like whether you think it's worth subject? the name of our podcast? Like, do you think it's it's fitting for the name of our podcast? Because I. I don't know who suggested it originally, but I really loved the idea, especially since it's just the three of us sitting around um, in our proverbial cave um, reading, (laughs) I guess, consuming (laughs) any kind of literature. Proverbially consuming proverbial media. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And just, you know, and then at the end of the podcast, we're also doing our little thing where we we write poetry making spoilers little, making little um, poems which is exactly what they do in the film so 
I think I think it's worth it. What did you guys think? What do you? I agree. What are your thoughts? I think that, I mean, when when we first when Alec first got it, because I think the the name stemmed from when Alec was we were when we were just doing poetry with uh, a couple of other people from college, um, that's right, and a couple of other friends joining us occasionally, and it kind of grew into an Instagram account where we, you know, uh, posted daily poetry prompts, which um, is still our Instagram today. Um, So if you go back and look at our Instagram, it was only poetry prompts for about 110 days. (laughs) Um, So that's that's don't chuckle at that. That's that's good. That's that's a good chunk. It's a good chunk. That's a good that's a good ass chunk, I would say. Yeah, I yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. Um, I'm definitely glad that we're starting to do other things though, because we kind of had the idea for the podcast and the poetry club were separate things. And then one day when we were talking about what the name of the podcast was going to be, it just kind of jumped out at us like, oh, duh, we already have the name. We've already been doing this for you know the mm-hmm. last however long. Um, so I think it was a great organic way of coming about the name. Um, and you're right, it kind of fits with. Uh, with the movie that we just watched. Now. So what are your thoughts on the film? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to come out with a hot take. All right. When we were watching the movie, I was having a good time. I was joking around. I was doing some laughs. And there are some portions of the movie, some specific dialogues that if you uh interpret it a certain way could be seen as as homoerotic. And while I definitely wasn't doing it for the right reasons, when I was watching the movie, I was mostly just trying to get a reaction out of Becca specifically. Um, I've been thinking about it, and it's like like completely dead ass, no joke. I think there is absolutely a homosexual reading of that movie. I don't think you can have a film with only like three women in the entire cast and not have homoerotics homoerotic subtext, and that's like completely serious. Yeah, and, um. and like I don't think it like. <laughs> I, it could be homoerotic at points, but I think at least homosexual because like, I don't know the, like, like specifically with, um, Neil, is that the cutie patootie that did the, the acting in the, Mm -hmm. the main um, character? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So like, right. Like, so acting could be like some coded language. You know what I mean? It's not something that his father approves of. There's not really a reason given why his father doesn't approve of it. It's just like this, like cultural stigma that it's not something that his father wants him to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that drives him to take his own life, which is unfortunately been the tragic experience of many gay people. You know what I mean? Like, like especially in decades in centuries prior, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's something that uh, the dad blamed the teacher on when really he didn't push him to it. He just asked him to accept what like his like desire to act if it was genuinely there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, f- I feel like it's not it's not at all a, 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 an impossible thing to think that the movie could be about or could no, be interpreted to not. be. I, you know? I don't think it's. Um particularly difficult to come to that conclusion um i don't think that it was intentional but i don't really give a shit what was intended by the Mm -hmm. author you know what i mean like a lot of like a fucking um 
the Night of the Living Dead, one of the very first, the most influential zombie movie of all time, George A. Romero, um, you know, he crafted this really good story. Um, and as he was writing it, he said, I have, I had no intent of this being any kind of social commentary. I just wanted it to be a good, you know, monster movie. But when he cast the main lead, uh, character who I can't remember the actor's name right now, but, um, he's a black gentleman and it changes the entire movie. You know what I mean? It changes Mm -hmm. the entire lens at which you look at, at it. And he will swear up and down that he didn't do that on purpose. He didn't intend it for it to be a commentary. But the impact but is the impact regardless yeah, exactly. of his intention. It doesn't yeah. really exactly. matter because, it, you know, call it a happy accident or whatever you want to call it, it, it doesn't particularly matter, at least to me. And I would argue that most people, it, do, it doesn't matter to them either. Um, I think in a very similar way, this could uh, be read in the same way. The same, mm-hmm. you know context yeah. i uh and you you go becca i have i did a lot of studying in my major specifically on what love is so i guess um where it came up for me first was very um coincidentally in Shakespeare. It wasn't Midsummer Night's Dream, although I did do um, an analysis of Midsummer Night's Dream after I had, you know, sort of discovered this lens for myself. Um, originally, it started with, uh, what's it called? Twelfth Night. And I did a, a reading of Twelfth Night through the lens of, like, true love and what true love is and... I discovered starting there for for like the next how long has it been like three or four years um just the kinds of love the kinds of true love that um that exist I guess in our lives in literature and art um and I guess this film in particular speaks a lot about love and it's not just romantic love. And even then, I don't really like the term romantic love because um, it feels to me like you can only have, I don't know, it feels it feels incomplete, the description of romantic love. Like, it's only between you and a romantic partner. But, like, I feel like romantic love can be so much more than that. Um, and especially since the word romance isn't specifically about love. Romance is about like um aggrandizing and ideas passions yeah aggrandizing ideas that like that existed in the past and robin williams character talks a lot about romance and specifically romance and poetry and there's a lot of love in this film between um you know for chris specifically um with uh knox knox and chris there's your classic heterosexual romantic love like relationship and then you have uh this almost like paternal love that mr keating has for all of the students you have the fraternal love between the the students and um you've got parental love the you know which is misguided but it's you know there but it's still there i I guess and and the mom 
that could be like two foils of of each other like dr dr or mr keating's love for the boys is like a sort of idyllic parental love and then you have the misguided parental love of all of their parents honestly and then you also have um just like so many different kinds of love you have the complete like unromantic like i said romantic doesn't feel like the like it is a complete word but like the the kind of love that uh charlie has like when he brings like the the playboy posters and then he brings the women Mm. to the cave and he um so he's got a different kind of of uh romantic love on his mind from wanda sorry new wanda um (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different kinds of love, and I feel like they're all, or at least most of them, are really, really pure. And um, I think, I don't know, I feel like the truest love in this film is between all of the boys together. Um, And I would love to watch this film or do, like, a complete analysis analysis of this film from, like like every different character represents a different kind of love you know um the fraternal loves especially between neil and todd and how uh neil brings todd into that like carpe diem mindset after all of that like it's so excruciating and i guess todd learns to love himself in the end too when he thinks that he's so worthless and that he's so nothing and unlovable and his parents get him the same desk set two years in a row for his birthday because no one's thinking about him or um he can't read in front of people because he's too nervous to and he thinks he's no good he thinks he's not good enough at all and like i guess just like every single character represents a different kind of love uh meeks a love for like learning and specifically um education i feel like he's always doing something and then uh like with the radio he's always like learning something more and then cameron would be like the love like like a a sort of anti-love like a fear rather than a love where he he fears the system so much that he can't learn to love um so yeah, all of that to say that absolutely there's subverot like like homoerotic context or like in in this film because it, you can't not have that. And I guess um yeah, I guess it's just like there's no avoiding that in this kind of film, in this kind of literature and this kind of idea at all. And um whether or not it was intended really shouldn't matter um but i think it might actually have been intended because i don't i don't think you could i don't think you could write something like this and not have that thought Um, i I listened to an interview and uh, he said specifically that it wasn't intended (laughs) okay whatever he was he was much more focused uh on the like seizing the day aspect of everything um yeah that was kind of which you know i mean obviously that's very a big part that is uh, you know the movie um but yeah i mean seizing the day means trying stuff out right seizing (laughs) charlie day (laughs) (laughs) anyway carpe um, dick am i right (laughs) carpe just yeah (laughs) not even together 
Yeah. With technical aspects specifically, I didn't think that the movie was particularly, I don't know. I think it was pretty by the books in the way that it was shot. Yeah, I think that I most of the, I, I think that most of the, the movie's girth um, comes from like the story and the characters and the impact that it leaves, like that the narrative leaves with two major exceptions for me personally, which was um, when uh, Mr. Keating is getting poetry out of Neil at the front of the classroom and they have like yeah. that spinning shot that the camera follows mm-hmm. them in. I thought was really well suited to the scene that it was in was what, like what and didn't distract from what was happening, but enhanced what was happening, which was really good. Um, also, and specifically, Todd. it was Todd, not Neil. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, the the loser, whatever. The the beta male. Um, the new kid, then, right? He, he was he was the new kid. The stutterer. The uh, not stutterer, but uh, yeah, you get what I mean. Um, and then uh, when acting guy who is Neil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's his name. Um, when Neil is going to like take his life, like that whole sequence, like after he like goes into his room and like opens the window that, that, that sequence had some interesting stuff happening, but specifically with his silhouette going down the stairs that like, I thought that that was just like a really nice shot. Like whoever composed it did a really good job. And the only thing I'm mad about is that his, his little crown thing wasn't in it more. Like I can understand, I I guess I can understand the symbolism if it was intentional that he's like putting down the crown because he's given up hope or, or something like that. But I don't know, dude, I just think the aesthetic, I like, it just looks so neat. And I think that it would have like, I, I feel it's, absence in a bad way in that yeah. shot in particular and when he's in his dad's study like i just feel like it could have really like at, at, i don't know for me at the end of the day mo- like movies and cinema are a primarily visual medium and so if you can make a memorable shot you should take it you know what i mean like yeah. you should uh when in doubt like seize the seize the visual seize the shot yeah seize the shot you know I know you, yeah. you said that you don't really care that it is, it was probably symbolic. I thought it was extremely symbolic that he didn't wear it, that he put it down. Like you said, he's like, he's putting himself away because he doesn't own himself. And he, he leaves it in his room because he leaves his room and he's in his father's house still. He's still in his dad's house and his dad would not approve of him wearing that. And that's a, that's why he takes his life is because he cannot wear it. And if he could wear it, then it would be kind of conflicting with that, like, idea. Like, why is he killing himself if he can still wear the crown? Because if he can wear the crown, that means that he's his own person. Um, For me, I feel like the opposite is true, where I would have, it would have been more meaningful for me if he wore the crown, because then it was like, I'm going out on my terms. Like, if I can't do what I, like, if you're not going to let me do what I want, then this is going to be ultimately what I want. You know, like, I'm getting out of here one way or another. I, I guess, but, like, then why would he kill himself if he could get out of there? Like, if he could, if he felt that he could wear the crown, in in essence, like, if he felt that he could have been himself, then why would he have killed himself? Because cause if he was wearing the crown, that means that he knows that there's some way that he can eventually overcome his father's grasp. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's a way to interpret it, but I don't think that that's the only way to interpret it. And I, never I, I, get, an I get what you're saying. Logically, I absolutely understand what you mean. I still want that crown on his, uh, like in that silhouette of him going down the stairs. I don't know what to tell you. The heart wants 
what the heart wants. <laughs> he wanted he wanted to act. I wanted him to be wearing that crown and that silhouette. That's all I can say to that. Um, there's something else I was gonna say. Oh, uh, specifically for characters, um, I feel I have I have a f- I, uh, I have conflicted feelings specifically about Knox Overstreet, the little uh, um, persist and badger a woman until she agrees yeah. to be with me. Yeah. And I think yeah. that part of, part of, part of that is just antiquated storytelling. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. e- like, e- but even if he didn't do the things that we found were uncomfortable, I don't know that his story resolved in a way that. <sighs> that really necessitated him being there. That It like, resolved in a way that was like gross to me. I don't know. Like it was crazy. Yeah. It's just like, okay, like I've badgered you until you, you've, until you've like basically given up. And it's not like it, it, I don't know. I almost feel like something was cut. Like there was some confrontation with Chet at the end, right? Like the, like the, the football boyfriend or whatever, or, um, or or maybe or maybe they go through their night and Chris decides, you know, I don't want to be with you. Like the, and that doesn't mean that Chet is better than you, but you said uh that if I said no, then you would leave me alone. And maybe and maybe she does it as a fake out, right? Because maybe she did become like sincerely interested, but she's worried that he is unable to respect her or like or, or mm, respect her word. wishes. And so she and so she tests him by saying, uh you said that if I gave you a night and I didn't want you, then then you would back off and and so now I'm going to say that and see if you do that something like that you know what I mean but I, I like I feel like we got I feel like we got 80% of that story and then it and and then uh Neil's deal just kind of like consumes everything which it, which it was going to because it's by far the most dramatic thing happening but I feel like it's just kind of like a a, a dangling thread that kind of it that myths me that it wasn't like tied off in some way mm, yeah. um and but I, I, like I on the flip side, probably, go ahead. You finish. Yeah, on the flip side, really quick. I was just like when I when I could see the group forming around like the the idea of the Dead Poet Society. I was trying to figure out everybody's place in it. I don't really think that Pitt and Meeks had that much going on, but I think I think that they wanted the group to be a certain size for like the shots, but they couldn't dedicate yeah. enough time to everybody in the movie, which is, which is fine. That's not that big of a deal. I will say that I was confused about Cameron's presence for a while, because in a lot of ways he seemed to serve the same purpose as Todd being like mm, the, yeah. Oh, I don't want to do this. And it, it, it's like, it's against the rules and I, I would rather study. Um, but that all that, that obviously ended up making sense when he became like a Judas uh, mm. to, to Neil's Christ. You know what I mean? Piece of shit, dude. Honestly. What a fucking loser. I knew I hated that haircut for a reason, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I could not help but watch this film with just, like, the events of... How do I frame this? <laughs> I guess just, I, I couldn't I want help. a soundbite of that noise that you just made. <laughs> okay. And I'll use it you for can various get it. things. <laughs> get a soundboard and everything. <laughs> thinking we're just going to Um, I couldn't help but watch this movie with the lens of like, Robin Williams killed himself. Ah, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Which dude. like. That, I was sad that he wasn't here anymore, but I didn't even think of that. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I said this when we were watching the movie and I've talked about this before. And like, I feel like most people my age, our age feel the same way that like his was the only ce- celebrity death 
before or since like that has really ever truly affected me like I thought about it for days I like I Pour cried when I got homie, home man. like what Pour one out for the homie. Honestly, yeah. like it, it was so, I don't know. It was so poignant for me. Like the first time I watched this film, I watched it before his death. And then I've watched it a couple times since, but I haven't really thought about it. Like about mm. how much this kind of, like it a feels, real, it feels like a common tangible loss. Like yeah. that he's that he's well, not here anymore. Well, specifically, like the film itself that he I know that Robin Williams is not Mr. Keating. I know how acting works, mm. but like it's just the irony of it all. Like the dramatic irony in a sense <laughs> that like mm. the actors acting and us as the audience in twenty twenty two, in like any time after twenty what was it, twenty fourteen, we're all watching this play out where robin williams gets to play this character and he he gets to play this character he plays characters like mr keating in several of his films um which i think is the reason why we we think so fondly of him is because he's just so he makes people happy and he makes people feel loved in all of those films i mean i obviously never met robin williams so i don't know like how he was in person but um just the fact that he was the one who was like making these these children essentially feel like they mattered like they had a place in this world and the way that he made his viewers feel like that themselves as well like i know i really loved his films because in in a lot of them he made me as an audience member feel joy not just because of what I was watching but also because I felt like some kind of connection I feel like everyone felt some kind of connection to Robin Williams he just Williams. had it man exactly. he just like like there's just some goddamn Robin Williams x factor where wherever whatever he was in it was better for it in a Robin Williams way in a way that like just like I I don't know it's yeah it's it's and he had the perfect amount of like silliness but he and gravitas and like gravitas yeah, exactly. for some he knew, he for knew some reason to, you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, he knew when to sprinkle in the serious and he know he knew when to you know what i mean like i like a study in contrasts that made everything else that much more potent you know what i mean yeah. like the like the highs were that much higher the lows were that much lower and and i think so in that interview with the uh um, screenwriter that I was listening to, he talked a little bit about Robin Williams, and I think this will make you happy, Becca. But he, he talked about like in that fir- that first day that he came on to set, they were filming the soccer scene, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, where they pick was, him up. Yeah, and he was telling them like, or he 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 was talking in the interview and said like, you know, I was initially really nervous because up until this point that he hadn't really done any serious roles this was his first role where it was like he had to have like a certain level of maturity and like leave a little bit of that silliness behind because until then it was kind of just like that outrageous you know mm-hmm. stand-up comic sketch comedy type guy you know improv and uh he was like and on that first day he was stiff like he didn't he it, there was something there that was making him really stiff and i you know i was talking with the director and the director was like i noticed it too and told the the director told him 
I want you to relax a little bit. I want you to improvise a little bit. Um, and he did that, and he was still a little bit stiff. And then um, the director was like, all right, we're going to take a break, guys. Um, why don't you go hang out with the boys? And so he started hanging out with the boys, and he started just improving um, and trying to make the boys laugh. And the director, like, let it go, and they started, you know, rolling, and he was like, this, this is exactly what I want. And then apparently from that moment on, he had it. He just had it. I And and that, moi, there it is, you know, the, that just makes it all the more tragic that he ended up being Neil in the end. And I don't want to, like, huh. I don't know, I don't want this to be, like, lighthearted or, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is such a commentary, like, because I don't. I don't know. I want this to be like a disclaimer. I don't think that I know Robin Williams. I don't think that I understand. I don't know. Everybody says like, oh, but he was so happy. And how could he have committed suicide? Obviously, he wasn't freaking happy if he committed suicide. Yeah, obviously, there was something. (laughs) But, um, and that, that just makes me furious every time. But I just think, I don't know. I'm not trying to make it something it's not. But it just, I couldn't help watching this movie being like he was the one and neil was the one that got the dead poets together neil was the one who who followed his dream up until he couldn't and um it just like i said dramatic irony yeah but for real life like it's really chilling yeah um being chilling you might even say um No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. One, I wouldn't. I other... wouldn't. But I, I'm not upset that you did. But one other aspect that I that I wanted to bring up, and something that was on my mind throughout the entire movie, and which I'm which I'm fairly certain, like I know that you can interpret things kind of whichever way you want, but I am fairly certain that uh, this was not at all intended by the director. Is honestly like the makings of a cult. In, yeah. <laughs> in 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 like what in what's presented and and like hear me out if like like listeners if you don't know what I'm getting at like there are like like the 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 relationship between Mr. Keating and the students and between the students and each other is pr- pretty universally positive right I mean like with the exception of um, Nuwanda going a little bit overboard uh, in 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 like trying to please Mr. Keating um, and and you. And not really with Neil killing himself because that's obviously external and family related issues and not at all what like like the the Dead Poet Society was off obviously a good thing for him and not the reason that he committed suicide like the headmaster of the school would like you to believe. Right. Um, But I think that like this movie unintentionally portrays how really easily these like kind of like miniature cults can happen in an academic setting specifically. Cause like think about it, like it's, it's kind of scary that in order to like, like we, we have like, like Mr. Keating is, is kind of an idyllic teacher in, in like, you know what I mean? Like he's willing to be flexible. He cares so much. He knows his material so well and he wants to make an impact on these children, but is also as we can see throughout the movie, not interested in manipulating or abusing them. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's frightening how if a teacher wants to be a teacher like Mr. Keating, the, the ability to manipulate and abuse is, is always there because you have that kind of, like, I guess what I'm saying is that like, if you make yourself important enough to the kids to have an impact, that impact could easily be negative. If you're, Uh. if you don't keep up on your shit. 
You know what I mean? Like if if if, like does that not make you all all the better for not doing it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just like a moralist in me is that like you have this amount of trust and the fact that you don't manipulate like is is what makes you the good guy. Yeah, definitely. And like and I don't want I'm not saying that like teachers shouldn't try to be good teachers or that Mr. Keating was a bad teacher or anything like that. It's just like I like it as I was watching it, because again, I, I knew nothing about the movie beyond the fact that Robin Williams was an unconventional teacher in a very conventional setting. And there was poetry involved, right? Like that's like, that's about the premise as I knew and understood it. Um, and I like, there were points at which they were talking about Mr. Keating or Mr. Keating was talking to them or interacting with them. And I was like, this could be a very different movie in like it, it could right go from twist you know what I mean yeah with like like just like the the wrong actions made or the wrong assumptions made by one character to another or something you know what I mean like lines delivered differently you know? yeah yeah <laughs> no absolutely it. absolutely like like even uh yeah I don't know like I, I I think that it's it's incredible how uh how much the most important things in our lives can become cults <laughs> for it, like like it like ba- like basically it's just like if it has uh, if it has enough power to impact you for the good it has enough power to mm-hmm. impact you for the worst exactly. it like it, like it, but and it basically just depends on the time of day <laughs> mor- <laughs> the moral the moral character and like the, the intent lighting. of whoever holds that weight you know what i mean whoever yeah. holds that power and it's it, it makes me nervous like like as a it as, as a parent, right, you don't know everything your, your your kid is doing. You don't know everything that they see or everything that somebody says to them. If I was a parent in this situation, even as me with my sensibilities, I would be nervous about Mr. Keating and about that group specifically. If like if I wasn't there to see all of like yeah. to you know what I mean? Like just like just a, a teacher having this much influence over my children would be like. I'd, I'd, I'd be, I would, I would want to have dinner with Mr. Keating and scout him out basically is what (laughs) I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like I, I would not, I like, if I found out that another adult was this important to the life of my child, I would. It's a little concerning if you don't know who that person is. I would introduce myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Just something that I was thinking about through the course of the movie that like. It, it it would make such a good cult that, and that's that's the shit jordan peterson does jordan peterson uh, is the is uh, among the worst case scenarios of the mr keatings of this world where his like he gets into these uh power dynamics with his students where he's basically dear leader right like he's yeah. like he's the he's the enlightened one and these young men are at a crossroads in their life. They haven't really decided what they believe or what their identities are. And he, and they can sometimes feel adrift and purposeless and like nothing really matters and searching for an authority figure, maybe even a father figure in some cases, depending on their home context, you know. Uh, and and here comes along Jordan Peterson telling them that like, oh, women are chaos and they need to be, you know what I mean? Or like what pseudo rules, you sons of bitches what rules you sons of bitches like <laughs> i don't know you it's uh moralist? 
it, yeah. it, it was it was an aspect of the movie that I don't think was meant to be a part of it. But like I, I just watching the whole the movie, yeah. I was just like, man, this could be a real different movie at any at any step at any moment. This could be this could go very wrong. Yeah, this could go Om Shamrikia real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like we talked a lot about like the criticisms of this movie. But I did really enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was a, a classic, like, example of, like, 80s filmmaking. You know what I mean? Like, it's just got a charm to it. It's just, and, and like, and just the message. You know what I mean? Like, great message. Seize the great day. message. Seize the goddamn day. Yeah. And very tragic. And, like, a lot of it, it, it this is one of those cases where, like, you watch a movie and, like, you want to say, like, oh, that's so stereotypical, but it's stereotypical because of this movie, you know what I mean? Like, the standing on the desk, it's like, okay, that's, like, it's cool, but mm. also it, it kind of feels, like, a little bit like it's been done before, but it hadn't been done before at this time. Mm. It's been done before now, you know what I mean? And that's just, you know, a uh, weakness of my age demographic, you know what I mean? Mm. But I thought, one, I did really enjoy the title card. The title card was cool with the little candle being lit thought that was classic mm. um and yeah just like uh the line one of my favorite lines was uh that the human race is full of passion yeah which is i really like because passion could be good or bad you know what i mean mm. like it's not necessarily one way or the other yeah um very brief note uh these actors on the younger side sometimes don't do it for me these yeah. kids freaking sold it dude I, yeah. I was I was with him the whole way. I, I never really thought they were a distraction. I didn't like. I think his name was. Was it Todd? He, like he was the, one of the one. Pitt. Pitt. Pitt was kind of amp for me, but he was one of the smaller characters, so it didn't really matter. Mm. But the the main crew, the ones that got most of the lines, like they were. Nuwanda uh, sold it for sold me. Sold it, man. Like, he was so ne- fucking Neil good when he. When he comes great. back and he's like, I'm going to have to, I, they told me to like rat on all of you yeah. and all that shit. And they're like, what are you talking about? And like, whatever his name is. And he's like, I told you the name's Nawanda. And he just shuts the door with a fucking yeah. grin. It's so fucking good. Yeah, it's so good. And and like Todd does a really good job of like selling the insecure yep. kid that his character is supposed to be. Ethan Hawke. Cameron ends up being perfectly hateable, you know? Mm, yeah. Apparently, Ethan Hawke says that this is still his uh, most, like, uh, like his uh, number one role that he did and that he, you know, it changed his life when he did this role and stuff like that, so. I didn't, re- which, is that Neil? That is uh, the Todd, the the new guy. Oh, really? What is, yeah, what is, I'm not, I'm, I suck ass at, like, actors' names and faces. Um, like, what did he do later that I would know? Neil is Robert, Robert Sean Leonard. I don't know is who Neil. that is. He um, was, eat. um, he was in House. I said that last night. That's like <laughs> the main thing that I knew him from as a kid. Yeah, he's in I've House. Um, he was in the Kenneth Branagh Much Ado About Nothing, which I saw him in in college. Mm, um, <clears throat> he did this director a... do anything else that I would know? Um, I don't, I don't Probably know. I'd have to look it. into it. But Ethan Hawke is the the main antagonist in the Black Phone. Um, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. the the creepy clown the guy, mask, the mask or guy. Mask yeah. guy? Yeah. <laughs> no all, way. And like the uh, the main character in Sinister and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. the Northman and the Purge and 
Yeah. That's really? Bunch of bunch. He's, he's double A-list. double desk kid. Double desk. Kid? Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Huh. <laughs> I was confused at what? what you were. I was confused at what you were referencing. I thought you were referring to the black phone still. Yeah, double desk kid. Yeah. So, um, I don't really have anything else. Do you guys have anything? I mean, I could talk about stuff like this for <laughs> a long time. Anybody um. got some poetry about some poets? I can go first. Mine's just really simple. Haiku. <clears throat> we recite poems in a cave for no one but ourselves and the day. Yeah. The cave god would be proud. <laughs> All right, uh, Alec, you go next. Oh, to be a crowned silhouette descending a perfectly framed staircase in black and white. Beware the bottom step, my king. Beware a left-hand path. Beware a toast to you in your absence. Beware a loaded gun. Damn. Zap. Beware a loaded gun, bro. Shut. <laughs> I just looked at the waveforms for those snaps. <laughs> what about them? Uh, all right, Becky, go ahead. Okay. Um, oh, captain, my captain. If only words would retain the sweet grief of a day seized and turned to dust with the setting of each of these suns. A phone call from God beckons you to a home you've long outgrown, but look, a million smiling children waiting for you in the backyard, sounding barbaric yops to your windows. Damn. Big Zam. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I really love this movie. Yeah. I um, enjoyed this conversation. Shout out to yeah. our sponsor, uh, Big Pharma. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our sponsor, Mr. Donald Trump himself. <laughs> Shout out to our sponsor, Jordan Peterson. That's why we talked about Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Jordan Peterson, yeah. friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate, uh, the Unholy Alliance. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, guys. And uh, that's it for this week. We will see you next time. Good night, ghouls. Catch you on the flip side. Good night. Goodbye.